So my question is, when you watched the Moto2 race, did you not draw a parallel to 1997 when you and I raced hard against each other at <laughs> Colorado Pikes Peak International Raceway? I don't even know if I knew you then. But yes. Did, did, no, we. what do you mean? We met, I we met at met, Phoenix. Like, you were we just met at, like... I mean, we weren't tight, but I mean like... You were just some big lump on a motorcycle that was rolling around in my way and everybody else's way, I think, back then. I think. You, you didn't need to stuff me, though, the last corner of the last lap and to lap me for the second Twice. time. It was yeah. unnecessary. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I was, you know, your lead was, was kind of big. To, and, I was trying to save you the effort of having to go around another lap because it was so painful <laughs> to see you rolling around. I'm like, this guy's got to be exhausted. The point is, Moto2 race yeah. had very similar conditions, right? Only Moto difference was back then, we had to race on DOT tires. There were That's no right. rain tires available. Yeah, and it was no. a little ske it was sketchy, though. Well, but the but the Moto3 race was sketchy, too, because like, yeah. there were seven guys on slicks. And that was gnarly. Like, Darren Bender did a good job there, I thought. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to have to. 2003, when I was factory oh, Yamaha rider for a we weekend, go. here we go. That I was the conditions. Everybody. That was the conditions that we had to start. Um, Barber, it was Barber Super Sport Race. Did you qualify and, for that one? Oh, I qualified. Did you? Yeah, I qualified for that damn race. You jack off. What did you end up? Well, there's a story behind it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to hear the story behind it. It's but like, this, but no, hold on. The story was that. The front runners, and since I was there on the factory team, they mm -hmm. all went to by this by 2003, we were allowed rain tires. Okay, and it had rained okay. all morning, and I was in the top 10 in the rain. I had just come back from Brno where I was doing BMW Boxer <laughs> Cup. Remember that? And I did four straight days in the rain. So, keep was, in mind that most people don't ride in the rain in the morning warm up, but yeah, go on. You're no, top 10. everybody rode. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, I would have I'll been give nine, you the benefit Miguel, of the doubt. Miguel put in one, and I was going quicker. Anyway, nonetheless, you're gonna you're gonna rate yourself against Miguel. Put in a flyer to kick you out of the top ten. Is that what you're gonna tell? No, me? I was in the top ten. I was ninth, and then he kicked he wow. kicked me to tenth. Wow. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. Okay, the point is, is that back where I was because I didn't qualify that well. I qualified like maybe 18th no, or something you, like that. No, not you. Uh, go on. All those guys were all on rain tires, and yeah. I was on a DOT with all the front runners. So the race gets going, blah, 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 blah. The track starts to dry out. I'm starting to pick up pace. I start to make some big passes. And then there's a whole group of like five or six people in front of me that would have put me in the top 15. And then the red flag came out. This dude oh. crashed coming onto the front straightaway. And there was only like four laps left in the race. But back then you could change tires. And AMA goes, yeah, we're going to restart the race. And so I was like, host. for what? Another, you know? another story where you could have been a legend, but the old red flag came out and G-Dub gets hosed. Unbelievable. I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? You rekindle a comeback. Speaking of comebacks, huh? my boy... Uh, Got to give him a shout. Brian J got me a bunch of pictures from when I got to ride the other week at Brainerd. Man, I wish we could play music and stuff on this podcast right now. I'd be playing LL Cool J. Don't call it a comeback. I've been you here know, for years. Hey, you know, what's huh? funny because I got to talking to him. And Brian I said, J? you know, yeah, I said, the coolest thing about his job, think about this. Think how long Brian's been around. I mean, this guy's like the Quite mainstay of mainstay for, as far as photographers go in our series because... I can't remember not seeing him at the races. That's how long ago, how long it's been that he's been there. But I said, the, all these kids now, it's so rad because 
they all get their photos like that night. They get photos that night. He just, you know, you go on his site and he's whatever. And I'm like, if he wanted to find photos of me and you, G-Dub, from back in the day, he'd have to go through hours and hours and hours of negatives. Negatives. Which, which he doesn't have any interest in doing. I basically... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> zero. The guy's slammed, but... Yeah, yeah. He, he gets after it all day long. Well, everybody, welcome to this podcast. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk uh, some Moto America pre-race stuff because we're headed to pit race this weekend in a couple days. We just had MotoGP back off of a break. World Superbike happened as well. A lot to talk about there. If you're interested in supporting us, you can go to patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. There's a link in the description for this podcast. I promise that I will be, especially Tim, doing some more extra content once the season drops off and I have more time to interview people. But there has been a request, Jason Pridmore, that I oh boy. that I uh, post up from more than one people, that I post up the entirety of the Ben Bostrom interview that ended up on the 21 and 21 because it's entertaining. So I'm going to try to get permission to do that. That'd be pretty cool. Well, I um, think that there's a lot of stuff like that with the Patreon page of getting these guys and listening to their interviews and... Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I'm, also I'm I think dig up some of the old stuff but, that I've done too and, and post it in its entirety. So there'll be I more think, content there. I think the cool thing about those 2021s that you do is that you get to see the person again. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is really neat. It's uh, because I think we all wonder where our heroes are and what they are like now and what they do and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, to see, see Ben and, or any of the guys that you've been lucky enough to do that with. Uh, I think it's really cool to see the face and, you know, see how they're getting on. Hey, by the way, Greg's Ride to the Races, presented by Hudson Valley Motorcycles, gets underway again. Tomorrow I am leaving North Carolina and I'm headed to pit race. I mean, normally, Jay, like I think it's like maybe a seven and a half hour drive or ride if you go freeway, but I'm going to take some back roads, hit a little bit of the BDR, go to a nice Airbnb, and then I'll be headed off to pit race. So I'll be there sometime on Thursday. A buddy of mine, Dan Yazza, he's bringing archery tag. Are you going to be at the track at like two o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday? Uh, maybe I might be. I I'm actually bringing my sticks because I've got. Oh, that's right. I've got the United States Mid Amateur Qualifier. So once we are done on Sunday, I'm going to hang out with the boys a little bit Monday because all the guys are hanging out and riding a little bit Monday. Are you going to hang out at all for that a little bit? You know, not. I'm not going to. I, are you going I really to start leaving to? Sunday night? Well, when we're done Sunday night, I'm going to actually head right out um, the track and then go get some arrows in because yep, I have the national yeah, championship. Yeah, we both got stuff. Yeah. yeah, on Thursday. Starts on Thursday. So, I, I I, mean, I might be able to stay. I haven't really I'm going to do the same. Yet. I'm going to hang out a little bit Monday, hang out with those guys, and then take off because on Wednesday, I've got the United States Mid-Amateur Qualifier in Cincinnati of all places. So, I got about a four-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of like wanting to stay a little bit sharp. So Thursday, I'll probably practice a little bit, but two o'clock, huh? What are you doing? There's archery tag. Archery tag is this really cool thing where you, you set up an area. It's got some lines on the ground and then basically you, you blow up these barriers and then people are going to shoot each other with arrows. So they shoot you. Y- yeah. If I'm, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a but big I'm, target GW. I'm, you're, you're at a disadvantage. Uh, you know what I mean? I can get slender, buddy. I mean, you should see me on call of duty. I, I know how to peek s- around some corners. Don't turn sideways. Don't All turn right. sideways. Anyway, whatever. Uh, let's get to the news presented by Arai. Let's do it. Okay. Rise proprietary one piece multi-density EPS liner was developed to precisely position the most appropriate density for each part of the liner. 
You understand? So anyway, they made the liner. So basically where the pressure is, you're going to get maximum efficiency. This indispensable technique is an absolute necessity for producing a form that maximizes glancing off. Or in other words, a shell that's round and smooth. Learn more about AriAmericas.com and how they protect your dome, people. I trust my life to Ari, shouldn't you? It's the Ari difference. Get after it. AriAmericas.com. Uh. Uh, 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 uh. And I finally washed my liner too. I got a nice, good washing in there. So it's great that you can do that, though. Yeah, it is nice. It yeah. is nice. Smell nice and fresh. Yeah. All right. So Jay, uh, we just have one topic in news, and uh, it's something, of course, that broke about nine minutes after we posted the podcast. Valentino Rossi announces his retirement. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Um, you know. <laughs> It's really strange. I watched that, and didn't it just seem like, you know, when you when you see these guys announce their retirements, everybody that we that I can remember seeing that kind of announces it, it's a much more bigger like. For for Valentino, it was like, hey, I had a good time. Ciao. See you guys on the racetrack. I'll be racing cars, and I have a team in the paddock still. There was there was like, and normally don't they do like the whole like, the legend thing and everything else? It's like Rossi was just like, yeah. I think I'm out. My results really haven't been what they what I thought they were going to be, and I could be my own team. I, I did you? I love when he said, "I talked to myself, and my salary would be good for next year." You know, <laughs> yeah. I talked. You know, it, he was very like um, it was almost unbelievable. It was almost not believable to me. Like it was believable because I know it's real, but it was almost like not believable. Like he he he's been around, and I think that this is what happens though. I really believe that this is what happens when you stay around for maybe a year or two longer than you should. And I'm, and I mean that with all due respect, but it's kind of what happens because people already a year ago were like, this guy should retire. This guy should retire. This, and so then it kind of loses its luster. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, if you retire at the top of your game, it's a huge deal, right? It's a like, big oh deal. my, Oh my God. Like what, what, how, how much potential, I also think that Rossi had made the decision before we went into the break. And I think he's had a lot of time to, I don't you know, know he couldn't cause it was based on results. That's what he kept yeah, saying. Right? And, and, and I mean, seriously, dude, like you don't think that Rossi, cause he didn't shed a tear in that thing. Right. He didn't like, even get close. No. And, and I'm like, okay, for sure. He's, he's wept about it at some point. I mean, he has to, he's Italian, half Italian myself. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Crying's part of the culture. So at some point he had his little, he got his stuff out and he, he dealt with it. And his but you say that, bright. but I can't ever remember Valley really getting that emotional of anything ever. No. Like I can't ever remember him having a win. Um, it always seemed like his emotion was even when he won his first one. I mean, I know he was a kid, but it was more of a uh, celebratory emotion. Celebratory never emotion. Like, yeah. Correct. That's the best way of putting it. It was more like a happy emotion you know, like he said, people are coming up to him and crying. And he's like, why are you crying? You know, like. Well, you the, know, other, the, the other thing that kind of struck me that I just was kind of like, what the, what the hell? He's like, I'm retiring at the end of the year. And it was it it was just so much social media to me, Jason, was such a, you know, such a grab of likes, such a mm-hmm. grab of, you know, for personal people. So, you know, it's like, dude, say, all right, cool, man. I'll talk to you after Valencia and congratulate you on a great career. All of a sudden, everybody was like, all right, he's retiring. Valentino, you've changed. And he has all that stuff. He changed the face of, of MotoGP. 
I've said this before. I think he's the greatest of all time because the fact that he's done it on a 500 GP machine, on yeah. a 990, on an 800, on a thousand, crazy with huh? electronics, without electronics, with Bridgestone tires, Michelin tires. Like if yeah. you look at all the factors, I think that that's to me is why he will always be the greatest of all time in my mind. Um, the adaptability, the, the 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 ability to reinvent yourself as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree on, on a lot of different levels uh, that that is the case. I mean, he kind of the period that he came through where he started on 125s and I mean, he won on 125s and 250s too, which we, which we, yeah. you know, it's like two strokes and then 500 two strokes. So like you say, it's like the adaptability that he showed over all those years is incredible to think about. And the fact that Rossi is gone though, the problem that I had was when I watched it, I kind of feel like everybody expected him to be gone anyways. So it mm. wasn't that big of a shocker. Like even when Lorenzo, like everybody kind of figured Lorenzo would go away, but it was like a big deal, right? When he did like Lorenzo yeah. had this big press conference and he's introduced as a legend. And I mean, and you've seen guys throughout the years kind of in puddles talking about how they're going to miss being at the track and miss working one-on-one with their, their crew and stuff. Rossi's still going to be there. Yeah, yeah he's got his own. There. He's still he's got his own team, uh, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago when we were all sitting there thinking to ourselves, Ed Dorna as well, Carmelo and all that. Like, what's going to happen when Rossi leaves? Like, he's leaving it now, and MotoGP's in a good place. There's enough young talent. There's enough good people that that MotoGP is interesting. Yeah, had he left a couple of years ago, even five years ago, yeah, I I, I would agree with the with the panic scenario. Like, what mm-hmm. do we do? But I think. You know, Mark Marquez is an amazing rider. And yeah. for a one team, basically one machine evolution, probably no one better in the world. Yeah. However, he doesn't have the personality that he doesn't have the. Yeah. The pizzazz as far as like the pizzazz as far as a, a, a person. Right. And the other thing, too, about Marquez is with the amount of speed that the paddock showed after he got hurt yeah. is that. MotoGP's future, I think, is in good hands. I mean, if you look at yeah. the podium from this weekend, and we're going to talk about that in a second, because um, obviously we have some other things to talk about before, but you look at the podium and you just say, well, wow, I really like that dude. That's a good yeah. dude right there. Or that dude's a pretty good dude right there. That guy's a really good dude. Where Rossi, one of his appeals too, I think that that's going to be interesting moving forward, is you and I grew up in an era where, uh, you know, we grew up in the, the Dale Earnhardt era, right? Mm-hmm. Part, of, part of NASCAR's success was that they had a villain. Yeah, and they had 100%. a guy who was actually a really nice guy to be around. And he was really funny. Yep. But he knew and he took on the role of being the villain. And That's people right. love rooting for a villain. And Rossi did the same kind of thing, especially when his leg came out and he starts messing with Biagi, another Italian love. Yeah. You, you know, he messed with Gibbernau. He messed with all these people that Rossi became relatively polarizing. I mean, it literally was you're a Rossi fan or you or you don't like Rossi. Or you're the, everybody else. Yeah. And I think that also helped on top of all the great things that he did right after a race. Chicken, yeah. getting the I mean, chicken suit I mean, the and celebrations whatever. and stuff back in the day were great. Like when they asked him in the press conference, like, what do you remember most about your career? Like, how do you put a thing on that? Like, like I have my own ideas of what I remember. I remember when he beat Biaggi when he rode the factory Yamaha. I think it was in South Africa the first time. Yes. And it was like, you know, he, that was like the biggest F you to Honda ever. Yeah, because Biaggi was let, on a camel Honda, right? Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Rossi just kind of like 
you know, ends up winning that race. And of course I'm kissing the fairing of the bike and, <laughs> you know, all, I mean, stopped him with like what, two corners to go, three corners to go or something mm-hmm. like that. I, 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 like, those are the things that I remember about him and the rivalries. And he was kind of the guy that would like do stuff and then kind of shrug his shoulders. Like, I don't know what everybody's bitching about. I don't know what everybody's yeah, I mean, about. that's like, true. Like the it, stoner thing at Laguna is like, um, by the way, Stoner crashed on his own in turn 11 that day, rode off the track and tipped over in the gravel because he couldn't keep the bike up. And then, of course, it comes, you know, later on, he's bitching about Rossi and say, like, the guy wanted to win. Like, I don't guy know. Wanted to win. Guy wanted to win. I don't know. And it goes like, even like this weekend, when, you know, we'll talk about World Superbike in a minute. It's like, Toprak wanted to win. Like, there comes mm-hmm. a point where motorsports mm-hmm. is one of those things where it's, um, you're, you know, you're hanging it out on the line. So it would be, and I'm so glad race direction wasn't involved in all the bullshit back then. That they oh my God, dude, there would be no legendary pass. There would the be nothing. There would be nothing. The way it is today, please. Well, congratulations nothing. to Rossi. Obviously had a great career. Yeah, Jason, last question before we get off this and you, you get onto the next topic. Yeah. Does Rossi have it in him to get the miracle podium or a miracle win before the season's out? No, it's, it's, I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's nothing in, that points in that direction. Boy, would I love to be wrong. And I think that I speak for everybody <laughs> when I say that. I think that everybody would love to see Rossi on the box one more time. I just think that the level is past him right now. Um, he's trying the best he can, but it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, where did he end up 10th this week? He ended up 10th, I think. Oh, good question. Or maybe. See, that's the know. thing. I don't even check anymore. And you're yeah. absolutely right. And yeah. it's... I think it was 10th. I, I could be wrong. Maybe maybe it was 15th. Maybe he just got... No, no, no. No, Danny Pedroza finished 10th, dude. How, I mean, how could I forget that? Because that's I predicted right. it last week. Rossi right. ends up lucky 13. So he got, a, 13, he got yeah, three okay. points. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, I don't even really actually know where he finished. I knew he was in the points, but... And there was some attrition ahead of him. So you sit there and you think... It's just frustrating, unfortunately, to see... How far back was he? 20 seconds? 26. Yeah, 26 seconds. So... Does he close that gap? I don't think so. I mean, it's going to take a special weekend at a special race. You'd love to see him do it, Mazzano. Mazzano in the rain, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Mazzano I mean, in the rain to me would almost be like Anthony Gobert at Phillip Island on the on Bomoda a, on a Bomoda <laughs> after his grandmother passed away. Pretty crazy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. anyways, I mean, we're going to be talking about Rossi a lot more throughout the year, and especially when it gets to his last race. But I thought the announcement was great, and I it was weird because. Didn't I say to you last week on the podcast, like, isn't it kind of weird that we haven't heard anything from you Rossi? Did. I yeah. did say that, right? 100%. I couldn't yeah, remember and then if I, I posted the podcast. So it was probably three hours, I think, maybe from when you said it to to when the uh, the announcement came out, three or four yeah. hours. I was just tripping out. So anyways, well, look, this week we're back at it, G-Dub. We get to go to Pit Race. We do. Uh, one of, I think, literally one of my favorite places to go. I say that just about every weekend because... I really do enjoy going to some of these new tracks that I never got to race at. Pittsburgh was one of them. I did ride there. I have ridden there. I rode there before we went to do the race, uh, our first race that we that we commentated on a pit race because I wanted to see the track. It has all kinds of different challenges to it. Um, you know, I guess I guess when we hit right off, can anybody really compete with Jake Gagne this weekend at pit race? I guess that's the question. I get it a lot. I've had a couple people write into me. Like what's making Gagne so great right now? I mean, it just goes like you've seen a lot of other riders dominate in the past. He's just got that that total package and trust and confidence and everything else that you can have. And he's got a little bit of luck, as we saw at Brainerd, where he ended up tipping off and getting back on. Bike was good, uh, and he went on to continue his winning streak. I I would love to say that you know we go to these tracks. I think you and I try to stay optimistic. 
that somebody's going to challenge him. But at this <laughs> stage, at this stage, I'm like, I, I, will they challenge him? Yeah. I mean, they'll get within half a second or three tenths of a two cents of a second. Can they do it and sustain it? I don't think so. I think he's just going to be, uh, it's another great track for a guy like Kanye too. The guy who can get close this weekend, just based off of past experience, not looking at maybe Cam Peterson makes a step and set up, I know you know, or whatever say. is Matthew Skultz. Yeah. You know, Skultz was faster last year and they've made some changes uh, electronically through some partnerships in that bike that have made some things a lot better for Matthew. And so I think stabilizing the electronics development of the bike and, yep. and, and maybe not uh, swinging the pendulum so far each time they come in and make different setup changes is allowing Matthew to really focus in on some things like he mentioned on the podium, his riding. So I think that that's going to be something to look out for. Okay. Yeah. You can mark my words right now. Yeah. I think him and Bobby Fong. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good track for Bobby too. He's always gone really well there. I think Cam's going to go really well. All the guys are going to go really well. Let's not. Yeah. Let, I mean, I'm know, really but, curious to see how Baz does. He's been to the track. Lawrence yeah, has. At least yeah. he's done a track day. He hasn't been there with the motorcycle, but it's going to be a matter of, you know, how Ducati gets the whole thing working in terms of the Dunlop tires, the up and down, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know. Yeah, uh, but, but you know what? You say that. I mean, Zanetti made the Dunlop tires work last year, um, and he was on the podium every weekend. Yeah, yeah, rode. but, but let me I ask know you there's this. some differences. Don't get me wrong. I know there's some differences, but I'm saying that Bass is coming in at where he is as far as, you know, if you sat there at the beginning of the year and you said you could hire Loris Baz or, or Zanetti, I, everybody would be saying Bass, I, me included, by the way, 100%. But Zanetti at this at this stage had better results. Um, he, he had, I think Baz has had some some bad luck too. But when you sit there and you look right at it, Baz, Baz should be there every weekend. But let me ask you this question. Have, when when Zanetti was on the bike and we got to see him on the full Superbike, what, two weekends, I believe? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Because he did yep. three, Indy. one on Stock Thousand. Yep. He, did, he did Indy and Laguna on the he, Superbike. And then he did the Ridge on the Stock Thousand. Yeah. But when, and, and when he Zanetti, didn't finish there. Do you remember? He fell. He fell. But <clears> when Zanetti <throat> rode, this is the mm-hmm. thing that I was really thinking about the other day. Zanetti was more wheels in line and less drama on the bike, like less movement on the bike. Am I remembering that correctly? No, hundred percent. And I'll tell you the other thing is if you like, you know, watching world Superbike this weekend mm-hmm. at that track, most in check, it's the best I've seen the Ducati look. And you look, you look at Redding and you look at Loris, they're kind of similar stature wise. Um, and I don't know if there's anything that, that could have been pulled from what Redding did over there, he was the only guy on a Ducati really on pace uh, all weekend. Chaz was nowhere to be seen. Rinaldi was back there. So when you sit there, you look at it. I don't know what Redding did or what made him comfortable. He had pace all weekend. And um, you don't know. You know. In other words, Redding's bike has looked a lot like Loris's bike. Loris is riding that bike as hard as he can. And the bike always just looks like it's never really under him the way he wants it. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I, I think if Loris gets signed again for next year and gets to come back, I think we're going to see a totally different season, almost like the Gagne Could seasons from last year to this year. Because if they get more testing time to figure out how to make that bike a little bit easier for him to ride and he can smooth out, I think that the entire package needs that. And that's yep. what Zanetti was able to do. I just think that Zanetti was really, really smooth. Also for Indianapolis, and I'm not taking anything away from Zanetti and his win, but 
also at Indianapolis last year, it was Bobier ready to wrap up the championship. They had a really strange weekend. It was the only weekend he didn't break a track record and, and, and beat Cameron won Bobier. twice there and all that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. right. Fong won twice and then Zanetti won one. So you're like, I don't know. That's what I look at. I look at right now what looks to me is that Loris is having to ride the thing, has is having to really kind of override it. Correct. But it's detrimental to the way that the Ducati and the and the Dunlop tires are working together. And yeah. I just know that he's a talented enough rider and the team's strong enough where if they just had more time to figure it out. But as you know, the rest of the season, we go pit race, then we have a couple of weeks off, and then we go straight to the last two races of the year. So it's almost in a way you're like, well, okay, let's just start looking towards next year. But yeah. it does, it's not to say that I, I still think that Baz in the last six, sorry, eight superbike races we have, I got to keep remembering that because we have three superbike races in the last two rounds each to make up 20 total. Um, I still think he's got a race win in there somewhere. I, I There's no way I would ever bet against that. Like mm-hmm. I've been saying since the beginning of the year that, I mean, I would have, I would have had him on probably five or six wins by now at the beginning of the year. If you'd have said, how many wins will he have by the time we hit Pittsburgh? I'd be like mm, six. I don't mm-hmm. I mean, so I just think that everything hasn't quite aligned for him and that team just yet, but they will continue to working, hearing rumors of possibly a two rider team next year. I think that'll help them also. We got to not forget that Zanetti being a test rider for Ducati for all those years, he had a lot of time on the spike. He had oh, a yeah. lot of time to understand it. Uh, Loris kind of comes in fresh seeing all these new tracks, the new track part of it doesn't really phase me too much, but definitely getting maybe used to tires and whatever else they're getting used to. I would just wish that they could get that bike to where it looks just a little bit more friendly underneath them and a little bit more conducive. So will people challenge Ganya this weekend? Let's hope so. Let's hope we just have some great racing. I think um, I did just see something on social media. That's a bit of a, a bummer for me. Um, in another class stock thousand, we saw Ashton Yates. See, I got it right. Mm-hmm. We saw, we saw Ashton, go down pretty big with what appeared to be a mechanical going into turn 12 there at Brainerd and destroyed that Honda and talking to him there and stuff. He was like worried they were going to have a bike for Pittsburgh. He just posted on Instagram that he's not, doesn't look like he's going to make Pittsburgh, which is a shame. Now through that thread, I also saw where Jeff May said, what do you need? So who knows if they can put something together because it's a track where for the stock thousand riders this weekend, I think that we're going to have another very, very close race. Mm-hmm. And not having Ashton there would be a bummer because it's a place where he's gone very well before. And uh, he had a tough Brainerd. <clears throat> and seeing that accident that he had, he was lucky to walk away. It looked like the throttle stuck or something happened mechanically on the bike where he had to throw the thing down. Um, Which, by the way, he did an amazing job of doing. I mean, yeah. And I can't remember who was ahead of him, but he basically missed the guy ahead of him too, which that could have been really ugly. But at the end of the day, you know, having Ashton there would be you know better. But I think... That championship's been fun to watch. And the reason I bring it up, Greg, is because Jake Lewis is riding so amazing. Um, he's got the points lead back in that championship. This will be a track that I think is going to be really good for Jake. He was back on a motocross bike this week. And I think that um, that the Superbike guys uh, or the Stock 1000 guys will be able to mix it in there again with some of the Superbike guys when it comes to that uh, Superbike Cup points as well. Yeah, and Stock 1000, they're Four riders within 29 points of the lead. Jake Lewis, only two points over Corey Alexander. And then you have Gilbert, who's back 27, and Travis Wyman, only two points behind him. It's a very entertaining class to watch. I don't know. I was going to look to see, um, while you're talking about the next class, I'm going to look to see the schedule because oftentimes on our schedule, it'll say if if the race is going to be on either the app on Moto America Live Plus, which you all should own by now, but if you don't, sometimes they post 
stock thousand on Facebook and you can go watch the race that's live a, on Facebook. It's been, is, we've been having a lot of good races this year, but I think that's mm-hmm. probably one of the best classes that we've had probably four different winners now. Who, who, who have we had win that? We've Corey's won, Michael's won, Jake's won. One, um, two, three. So we've had, oh, that's super sport. Sorry. I already yeah. took it off. We yeah. have a, we have a new, um, uh, Jason who runs our timing and scoring for Moto America has now has a new point sheet and they actually have it's colored now. So red is wins, oh, blue is second place finishes and gray is thirds. So it makes my job so much easier. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I think it's super sport while you're doing some of that, looking at some things, super sport, uh, boy, after Brainerd, you got to think that SDK has got a hand on that trophy. Now, um, he's got three rounds to try to maintain the 61 point lead that he has i you know i don't know if i can say that things would have been that much different had escalante won that race but you know obviously things would have been a lot different point wise um and it was too bad to see richie toss the thing down the road but now it's kind of all or nothing for him he's got to just try to go out and win these races the best he can uh sdk is another guy that hasn't really talked about championship i you know we heard chris talk about it a little bit at uh after the win on Sunday, we heard Chris talking a little bit about Chris Orch, team owner of the M4 team. Um, but just basically that 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 they got to start, you know they're thinking about that now. Like now they've now they've put themselves in a position to win that championship on, on what really is he's ridden brilliantly this year. Sean well, listen, you're the expert analyst. So when does SDK? Is it now? You start thinking about championship, or do you still go for the wins? You're on a I on think a you six. Just keep, I, I think when you get to a 61 point lead, all the pressure kind of goes away. I feel. Mm. Like I think when you're like at 17 point lead or a 25 point lead, now you got 61. It's you got you could literally he could go to Pittsburgh and sit out and still go to the next round leading the championship. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you get to a such like Ganya now doesn't even think about the championship. Well, actually, it brings up a good point. I that I it's so funny because you and I really haven't thought about this much. So there's what in in super sport you have 150 points on offer. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. So if for something if something happens again to Richie Escalante and SDK goes out and wins both races, if he has he could in theory wrap it up this weekend, but if he has a hundred and one point lead or a hundred point lead going into Jersey, lead. he wins, right? Yep, exactly right. So right yeah, now he's only thought about that. So yeah, exactly. thirty nine. He's only thirty nine points away. I mean, I don't see it. I think I think Escalante and and the Honos Ride HVMC, whatever the name of the team is, they have a better weekend than they had. You know, I don't. I don't see him throwing it down the road, especially with a two point two second lead. You want to? See, you want to see me give Chris Orch a heart attack? Yeah. Hey, Chris. Once, uh, once SDK wraps his championship up, why don't you put a super bike underneath him for the last couple of races? <laughs> they don't have enough parts for that. By the way, I circle know. Back, I'm circle just saying. We, no, could have, we, we could have said. Could. We could have said, "Hey, SDK's on a super bike," and just mm-hmm. flipped everybody out. But no, that's not the case. Um. By the way, just to circle back around, Stock Thousand, yeah. which is only. On Sunday, it looks like. So you have Royal Enfield, Super Sport, Superbike, Junior Cup, Twins Cup on Saturday. And you start Stock Thousand, Super Sport, Superbike. So, oof. So they have basically one hour off Stock Thousand for those in the Superbike Cup. They are they will be live on Facebook at noon East time on Sunday. So definitely go watch those races. They are entertaining as heck. Yep. Awesome. Well... I'm looking forward to the race the weekend. I'm I'm rolling out of here tomorrow, so okay. gonna be out of here. And uh, you know, it's been a it's been a really fun year. I can't believe we only got three rounds to go now. And I I know we did get the email that that it, 
you know, that Moto America is not going to be attending um, anything at Austin. So, um, you know, I think there was, there was kind of like the hopes possibly that we were going to get something there, but it's just too late. All the teams have planned the season to end at Barber. You know, I see people writing in about, oh, it's a horrible decision. It's not a horrible decision because nobody really knew what was going on. Now with this new strain, like you and I were talking about before we came on, Austin, who knows what's going to happen with MotoGP. True. Moto America had already decided to ride three, run three races at Jersey, three races at Barber um, and all that. So look, at the, at the end of the day, there comes a point where you have to decide, like, are we doing this or not doing this? Uh, you know. Everybody's at the end of the, their budgets at the end of the year. It's a hard one to just kind of go to the teams now and go, hey, by the way, guys, we're going to go race and be part of this thing at Coda. It's just not feasible. No, especially if you go, okay, beginning of the year, we know there's nine rounds, and uh, this is the way I'm going to allocate my budget. So it's not like people can I – mean, there's a lot of factors. I also heard that Moto America looked at how many rental cars are available, how many rooms are available in Austin during that time, and resources across the board are stressed out. It, it's very expensive to travel on top of all of that, You know, way more than we've ever seen it. So I, I wish we were going, obviously, because oh, for yeah. you and I, it's another paycheck. It's motorcycles on track. I talked to Paolo Chibati when he was you – know, who's obviously sporting director for Ducati Corsa when he was here – and, you know, I, I asked him his opinion and he said, it's, it's important that Moto America be in front of the world audience, but also Moto America's position is, and Chuck Axel was quoted as saying, this is, you know what, in three months time or four, whatever it is from, you know, that's October by beginning of April, they're going to be back in town and we'll be there. So, yeah. you know, from that perspective, it's good news. And speaking of MotoGP, let's go ahead and talk about let's do it. the first race at the Red Bull ring in Spielberg. Um, and boy, I, it was, it was entertaining from a lot of different perspectives. But in the end, after a red flag race, Jorge Martin in his rookie season gets his first win and gets Pramac Racing's very first team win. Unbelievable. Then Juan Mir, who put on a great show and hung on for dear life for most of that race in second over Fabio Quattararo, who, you know, according to the experts, you know, Yamaha had no had no chance at that track, and he goes yeah. third. Yeah, Binder from a from a horrible qualifying spot works his way into fourth. Taka Akanakigami goes P five after a drama filled race for him. Zarco in sixth, Rins in seventh. Mark Marquez just ahead of Alex Marquez. That almost didn't happen. Right, Alex was going to beat him. Yeah, and my boy Danny Pedrosa. And I Unreal. say he's my boy. He's my so boy good. for the weekend. Okay, and yeah. by the way, for all you Danny Pedrosa haters out there. If you didn't know, back How in the day... How can you be a hater? How are you a hater? Well, there, dude, there are still some people hold, hanging on to the fact that Danny knocked N- Nicky Hayden off in 2006. Oh, God. Those two hashed it out, and Danny helped him win that championship at the end Come of the on, day. Yeah. I know. Bagnai in 11th, Bastianini in 12th. This is like all of Rossi's guys. Then Rossi in the middle, then Luca Marini in 14th. Uh, Ika Likawona in 15th. Looks looks like he's out of a job. Polo Spargro, Cal Crutchlow. By the way, Paul Spargro finished. <laughs> he yeah. finished 16th, which is like insane. He he gets beat by Lekawona. I mean, I mean, there's so many things. And if we just go down the list real quick of plots and you look at that and you go, Paul Spargro is 31 seconds behind the race winner and Brad Bender is 12 seconds behind the race winner. Brad Bender comes from 16th on the grid to finish fourth. Paul Spargro, I mean, I can't even think about how many times that guy must have got passed by a KTM this year going, um, <laughs> maybe career mistake. But but when the big H calls, there's a time when the big H calls that you just go to Honda no matter what. Now I think people are running from it. I mean, it's been proven that 
the bike got developed in the wrong. Listen, I said it. I thought that they started to develop the bike away from Mark Marquez and he was going to come back and he wasn't going to go as fast as he'd gone. I mean, he was definitely ripping the first start of the race. I mean, he got a good start and all that stuff. I just think that Honda's a little lost right now. That's just how I feel about it. And Oh, my God. But if you go Jorge Martin, dude, he's only had like five GP starts. Like, yep. Because he got injured, and he's still not 100%. I mean, that that kid, from pole position, the pole that he got, I mean, and he rides that bike. He is not frantic at all. It's Sometimes you look at it and just go, how the heck is he doing that? And all these other Ducatis are, you know, Miller again, oh, you know. Just can't. He's off my fantasy thing for the rest of the year. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I just don't talk can't about it. I got crushed in fantasy. I crushed in fantasy yeah, because I made some wrong choices. But anyway, Juan Mir, they now, but, you know, Suzuki now has a has, has a device that squats the rear, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you right now, I'm watching that race and I'm going like Jorge Martin. First off, it's the kid's sixth race on a MotoGP bike. Let's not forget that he got hurt. He led a lot of laps at the Doha round, the second round of the year. I believe it was, Greg, that he yeah. led all those laps, yeah. right? Like 18 so or something ridiculous like that. It's unreal how good he is. And in the poise and the pressure that he withstood and just being able to pound out those laps. And I mean, it's it's impressive. I mean, what he did, I was just hoping, you know, I saw him run under the green once. I'm like, oh, don't do it to the kid. Like, don't do it, right? <laughs> um, and, then when you, and then you look at second. I Literally, there's not a more... I don't want to say disrespected, but there's not a more um, less under, talked about, less talked about, underrated world champion than Juan Mir. I mean, he's doing this on a Suzuki. There's only two of them in the class. Uh, last year, he put together a great season. I don't know, and I was going to hit you with this. I was thinking about it yesterday, but I don't know how many seconds he's had in his career in MotoGP or thirds. But it always just seems like there's one person a little bit better than him every week, every weekend. You know, he gets second or he. And he, and he doesn't really bitch about it. He just gets on with it. Hey, we had our bikes a lot closer. When you look at their top speeds, the Ducati was 183.4. Juan Mir was 183.3. The Suzuki seems like it's made a huge step over the, over the summer break, more so than just about anybody else. Um, and it's like, Greg, he's only 51 points back. And I'm, I'm just looking. I, I don't know how many rounds we have left. I was talking with Kevin about this yesterday. Was it nine rounds, 10 rounds left? 51 point gap is nothing. Like he's right in the hunt. He's right in the the hunt again, you know? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Like, all right. So let me give you some stats. So in in MotoGP, 35% of the time he started races, he's been on the podium. Wow. He has one win, obviously. He has uh, four second place finishes and six third place finishes. So you're right. Other than that one race, it just seems like, you know, that he is there and he can run those positions or lately he's been coming up from behind and because that Suzuki seems to be really good towards the end of the race, but he he's, yeah, he's good. I mean, he's good. He ran a great race. I just, I just love what Mir did in that race. He's so good. He's one and a half seconds back. And I mean, he pushed and he rode hard and I mean, he's got eight seconds over third place, which was in this case, Fabio Quattararo. The only thing, and I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm worried about it, but Quattro is already thinking championship. He's like, oh, you know, Jorge did a good job today beating Juan Mir for me and taking those points away. And I'm sitting there thinking, mm. I, I, it, it, whether he's thinking that way or not, it's probably to me, um, I'm still not 100% convinced that Quattro, I, I think he's obviously odds on favorite. He's amazing, but 
I need to see him kind of get through that stage where when this points gap, if it does get closed in a lot, seeing how he handles that, uh, he's writing amazing. Uh, you, you heard Zarco talking a little bit afterwards about even though their bikes were a little bit quicker than Quattararo, his braking was unreal on the Yamaha, how well he was braking and how good that was. And for him to be where he finished and do as well as he did, I incredible. Would you, let me ask you this. Would you earmark Fabio to be in the top three this next weekend? No, only only because... See, this was the weird thing about Austria, though, last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people tuned themselves right out of a good result Yep, last year for the second race. And there's a lot of people that tuned themselves into a good result. Mm-hmm. So the only reason I say that is, you know what? The thing about Ricky Dink Ring, I'm sorry, Red Bull Ring is that there's a lot of a lot of hard braking, a lot of demand on the front end like that. So he could. I mean, if they got the bike even better, he definitely could. But with 13 seconds, I think it was the gap, right? 13 I, seconds I, for from first to fourth place. I got him off the podium this weekend. I don't yeah. think he finishes on the podium. That's I was I was so definitive in my answer, wasn't I? Oh yeah. yeah. Wishy washy bad. Yeah, you are a wishy washy guy. I, I I feel like I don't think he'll be on the podium this week. And what's crazy is I I love Quattro. I mean, I, I think the guy's unreal. Like, but I, I think that there will be other teams that will make steps and we never really got to see the Yamaha in a pack. In other words, if you get a pack of four five, six guys around him, I think it makes it a lot harder when he was going one-on-one against Zarco. He only had one guy. He didn't have anybody else going by him on the straightaways while he was trying to get past Zarco. And I think that that will be the difference. I got Quattro finishing fifth or sixth this next weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that plans out pans out. I think the guy that finished behind him is another guy that we never think about. But if you watch his interviews throughout the course of the weekend, Brad Binder's always smiling, even when he's like, yeah, we're 16th on the grid. And he's smiling and he's like, but, you know, we finished in the top five before coming from this far back and. I mean, Greg, he went by Nakagami and Zarko on the last lap. He caught them on the last lap and passed them both on the last lap. Um, I got Bender. I got Bender this next weekend going straight to Q2 um, as opposed to this past weekend. I think he'll have a great weekend um, in Austria uh, for, for the second round. The guy who um, would have done really well is Oliveira <clears throat> had he not hurt his hand. Agreed. I think Oliveira, you know, he slapped his hand on the ground, but it looked like he retired from the race, not because of injury. Didn't it? It looked yeah, like he did. had a problem with the bike. Yeah. Cause I mean, he made it from Q1 to Q2 and he waited. I mean, it didn't look like his hand bothered him when he was on the bike initially, but then he waited through the Q2 until the end and with a nice pack on his hand. So it definitely was, but yeah, it didn't look like injury at all. He didn't get like off the injury? bike and like even shake his hand. He just got off the bike and looked at looked at the rear tire. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I it was a shame. Uh, Nakagami, I mean, fifth place. Yeah, incredible. Yep. Yeah, I it mean, was really uh, good for Taka. I mean, I just and and the first Honda dude. He's five seconds up, five seconds up the road from Marquez. Marquez, um, when you look at Mark, he had I mean he had issues with the lace. I mean he punted the lace twice if you watched it, but I. But I agree with people. I think the first one was on Marquez. The second one was kind of a race incident because Quattararo was up underneath Mark and Mark kind of stood it up and Aleish just happened to be there again. The first one, though, like he ran into Aleish pretty good in turn one. Um, and he admitted it. He was like, yeah, the first one's on me. Yeah, yeah. Second one was like, eh. Yeah, second one, I don't, second one was, 
I don't really think it was his fault. It was more of a race thing. The first one was definitely his fault. Um, but I thought Nakagami finishing fifth, he looked pretty stoked with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did a good job. I mean, what do you make of Zarko? Is Zarko going to win a race this year? Yeah, he'll win. Yeah, there's what, seven seven or eight rounds left this year? I don't know. That's what I was asking earlier. I figured you'd come up with that stat. Yeah, no, so, I just got it, and then I forgot about it. It's either yeah. seven or eight. There's there's still a... Have a look, because I, I, I he's what is he still second in points? And it's kind of mm-hmm. a weird championship right now, because there's not really... I mean, to me, I still think Mir is the danger guy to Zarco. I don't... I mean, Zarco... I'm sorry, the danger man to Quattararo. I think... Juan Mir has proven that he can handle the pressure of being where he's at and chipping away. Uh, he's the guy to me that I think they made a big difference on that bike. He'll be strong moving forward from here. Um, Zarco, I I mean, this is kind of a Ducati track, and we saw one Ducati in the top five. Don't doubt the Frenchman. Do not doubt the Frenchman. I love. He's you're on my. Be, he's on my fantasy you're, team. You're gonna I love eating, the guy. You're gonna be eating your words, buddy. I'm, I'm not eating you. words. I'm Zarco saying this. Zarco is gonna win a race. He's gonna be battling with Quart in a couple races. There's eight to go, and Quart's gonna make a mistake. He's gonna There's throw it down the go. road. There's mm-hmm. eight to go. Well, I think we gotta look at I've those been eight races. My that there is. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking about. I don't Rins, even know. Rins ended up seventh. Kind of ho hum. Can't seem to get himself out of Q1. Can he? No, no, and he's frustrated about it and. I totally get it because so the guy break problems. He's just got flashes of brilliance. You, you see, uh, Brivio was there too this weekend. I did see that. You know that he he got he, they won his team won a race Formula One race. I saw that too. I heard that. I don't watch that garbage. But guys, I, magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't watch the garbage either. I just heard the news. Yeah, so. I, I can't watch it. I watched one. And you know what's funny? I watched three laps of one of the races from this track where these are that they're at right now. Mm. I watched it and was there I a was, pass? Up and out. I was like, no. And the announcers are like, there's the announcers. The announcers were like, yeah. there are so many penalties right now. We can't keep up. There's so oh, many. Somebody, like, who posted it? Max Max, Max Oxley posted somebody, or maybe it was David Emmett. They posted the list. Have you seen the list no. of penalties from this race? Oh, dude, it's insane. Can't do it. I, I'm, I'm over insane. it. I, I hate it. I and love we're not going to get into we're not going to get into nope. that discussion because I don't want to make Jason all angry. He's everybody he's loves things everybody loves me getting angry at this stuff. Yeah, but you have things to do this afternoon. You gotta, all I can you gotta, say is you got to head off into the sunset with a positive attitude. All I can say is I'm glad Cal Crutchlow is back in the paddock because he put it straight about how stupid he, he does. all of it is. I he does. It. He does. It's I, good. I, I loved it. Marquez brothers, they end up going. Uh, what they end up eighth, ninth. Um, and when you look at it, I'm very impressed with Alex Marquez. All weekend, he had pace. He did really well. His brother ends up beating him by one second. I'm sure that uh, Mark was not stoked that Alex was ahead of him for the majority of that, I'm assuming. Um, but Marquez brothers end up eighth and ninth. Um, for sure, Alex impressed me this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. He did good. They, if you watch the beginning of that race, he's kind of the one that pulled Taka back up to that that lead group of five at one point. He pulled them. He pulled those guys forward. Um, yeah, I think part- that I think that Alex, Alex's issue is that that's the first time we've seen him in a while run that pace, and I just yeah. don't think he had the the full race set up to do that pace. But he's capable of it for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's why he ended up fading. I think it must have been something like a tire or something. Tire. Like that. He probably got into it with Renz a little bit, and then his brother probably you know stuffed him or punted him. Who knows? <laughs> um, Give him a little love tap. Yeah, so he ends up ninth. And Pedrosa, what do you say about Pedrosa? I mean. The fact that he gets up after that accident in turn three there on the exit where... Um, when you're retired, too. I would have been like, all yeah. right, good, Three years I'm out. Done. What yeah. was he, three years? 2018 was the last race at Valencia, I think. Yeah. And um, 
he picks himself back up and I, you know, you heard him say like, can I get on my second bike? And it was like, that's pretty sick. And he does that. He does that after his bike burns to the ground and he gets on his backup (laughs) bike. But there's a guy there that's probably got tons of laps around that track on multiple different bikes. So it was, um, isn't, I mean, it's impressive nonetheless, but it probably was the best place that that could have happened for him. I, I, I think Danny has the potential of being even higher up this next weekend myself. I mean, Is I he can back? see him. I don't know. Did he get wild card for both? Yeah. I, don't know. I think he's wild carded for both. I mean, cool. I mean, look at, he finished only like what? 1.4 seconds behind Mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine if little Pedrosa goes by Mark Marquez on that Repsol Honda? Like, <laughs> I mean, towards the end of that race, can you imagine yeah. what the thoughts would be? I mean, so Danny had him in his, in his, in his sights. So I guess the last couple things to talk about, uh, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have, but what what was up with Bagnaya? Oh, know? you know what? I know I don't know. I don't know why. I haven't seen. I and I'm even looking it up as you and I speak now. Just no, but he crushed me in fantasy. Well, I get happens, that. He crushed yeah. me. I mean, he crushed me too. I have him also. He crushed everybody that had him in fantasy. Well, Pecco ended up getting <laughs> a, he 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 got a long lap penalty or not a long lap penalty? Didn't he got a three second penalty? I think at the end as well. I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah, because he led that he was leading the first the first start, um, uh, the original start before the red flag and the restart. He was out front and he was looking good, and looking comfortable, and then it all yeah. just after the second start, it went to went to junk. I haven't seen anything on the major on the sites that that I go to to read about this stuff. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything about about Alish. I've seen that. I've seen that, um, you know, Zarco's talking, oh, I haven't read the article, but basically talking about the bike spinning up a lot and that kind of thing. So, but, but yeah, I, I was super, super un like bummed about, I mean, two factory Ducatis, Miller threw it down the road through his own admission. If you watch it, he's in wide in the, in the bike. Yeah, he was in wide. Just he's in wide. Break. Couldn't get the thing turned. Anyways, MotoGP back in Austria this weekend. Um, I think that we're at that stage where it's going to be really interesting to see how things start to plan out. These guys go to... Do they go to Mazzano next, Greg? Um, oh, you're a pain in my ass. Hold on. I am. I am. I apologize. Uh, so we go red. We oh, go they, red. Go to, they go to British Grand Prix next. Silverstone. Silverstone. <clears throat> they go then, Silverstone, then Aragon. Yeah, then a Mizano. Then, yeah. Then so So what do you think? When we get yeah. to Mizano, now that Matt Rossi's announced his retirement, do those tickets to that race get close to the price of the ticket of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady oh going gosh. back to play at Gillette Stadium to the New England Patriots. Tickets going for about 2500 apiece. In Moto2 this weekend, <laughs> in Moto2, finally, Marco Bezzecchi wins. Uh, Unreal. He was, he was the guy I thought was going to win the championship this year. That's the guy who I said was going to win it. I've been pretty much wrong on every prediction I make. So <laughs> you got that going for you if you believe yeah. anything I say. Kanet yeah. was second. Fernandez third. Remy Gardner ran off the track late, Greg. Very, un- very surprising to see that. But he. But the good thing is is that the guy who's you know closest to him in the championship, Raul Fernandez's teammate, ends up seventh. But Remy runs off finishing fourth. Your boy, Ayagura, I was devastated for him. I'm watching that race going. When Greg watches this, he's going to be so bummed because – he had pace. I mean, then of course he gets the the penalty, and then he runs gets another the right penalty because penalty. he didn't ran over the green and the long lap penalty oh, a little God. bit, not full so, wheel, whatever. Yeah. It's just a shit show. And then Vietti ends up six. Fernandez, Chantra eighth. Vierge, Schroeder, Dixon, 
Dallaporta, Giantonio, who, I mean, I don't get it. Does Giantonio, he's, he's on <laughs> MotoGP, he's MotoGP next year, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sam Lowe's ends up 14th after talking about a vibration. You know what, though? We were saying the same the thing race. about Quattararo, weren't we? Uh, like, you yeah. know what I mean? But I mean, Quattararo at least had like three wins in Moto2. I think Giantonio has one. So, anyways, and Arena ends up 15th. I'm so bummed. I mean, um, didn't get to see uh, Cameron's tip off, but, you know, at the beginning of that race, Cameron was like right on the back of top 10, like at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, this is it. We're going to see him up there. Then, He's 20th or something. We, we didn't understand or hear why. I realize as a commentator, it's hard. Like, it is really, really hard to, like, keep track of everything. But all of a sudden, he went from, like, 11th to 20th and then back to 17th up to as far as, I think, 15th or 14th. And then he fell over. So in an Instagram post, he kind of posted, like, yep, had a small tip over. We're going to be fine. Move forward. Joe Roberts tips off on, what, like, the fourth lap or third lap or something like yeah, that? Yeah, right? well, um... Yeah, a little like didn't get to really see it. There either. were twenty four I mean, laps, fall over, and he tipped but... off on. He had sixteen to go. Is what yeah, he, so he goes. Like six laps just seems to be struggling. Commentators mentioned something about it not being his favorite track. Uh, track that he struggles at, which is just a bummer. But um, hopefully, both our boys can rebound and bounce back. I think championship wise, is it still? I mean, has Remy still got a pretty big lead? I'm looking right now. He's yeah. 97 I mean, to 162. So he still has a 35 point lead over, uh, over um, his teammate. And then another nine on top of that over Bedzeki. So Remy kind of have one of those weekends where it's like, nah, probably the best of the best could have happened. Bezeki beats him, which isn't a big deal. And his teammate finishes behind him. So he didn't give up any points. It's like a bad weekend. And he ends up fourth without yeah, and, really and, giving and up it, too much. It's not much of a weekend, much of a race to talk about in terms boring. of like the normalcy, right? It's boring, but also it was kind of wet. And with a drying line. And so, you know, it was just one of those who took the chances. And I thought Betzeki took some chances earlier. You know, not not quite as much as like Toprak did a couple of races ago. But still, there were a lot of chances that ended up paying off for him. I thought they were great. You know, and my, the Iogura thing broke my damn heart. I mean, I saw the first, the <clears> first uh, penalty come across the board. You know, the warning. The warning Ugh. penalty come across. And I was like, Ugh. all right, he saw that, whatever. And then you got to be... His second one, dude, was like, it was half, it wasn't even half a wheel. Like it, yeah. like the, the, the actual meat of the tire was still on the white part, but the we edge of the We never really tire... got to see the first one though, did we? We never really got to see the one that they pulled him in for. Mm. We saw the warning. We knew he got a warning, but then yeah. when they penalized him, we never really got to see what the reason, like we didn't oh. get to really see where it was. Yeah, I guess um, not. It's so hard I, to I say with the replays. And yeah, anyway, but all I know is this weekend I was just so pumped because I had all the World Superbike and all the MotoGP to watch, and I watched that race, and I was thinking, man, when G Dub watches this race, mm. he's gonna be so pumped. And dude, they, he's good, dude. Like Agura is is he's like really really solid. So, um, well, wait. what do you think about people looking at him going to MotoGP next year? Well, they were talking about twenty three, which Make, makes sense. Which I could see. I mean. 2023, it depends where I don't know what Alex Marquez. I guess Alex Marquez is where he's at next year again because oh I don't know. There's not been there's not been any talk of anything different. Taka seems like he's doing a good enough job. I I could see both those guys staying there. I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I I think that a spot could open up for him in 23 somewhere. Who knows? I mean, he's riding he's riding amazing. So I just think he needs a little bit more development time. I agree. You know, I agree. I, 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 agree. I almost think you know up until really. 
he proved me wrong these last couple races, Ogura. I just thought that they pulled him out of Moto3 a little early as well, but he's proven me wrong, and it seems like he's getting along better with a bigger bike. So the thing knows? I'm starting to notice, though, even in my own kind of way here in America, is that sometimes you get these kids and you put them on bigger bikes, they go better. Like, yeah. like there is a side of things now where my brain has started to realize that, you know, you get kid, you get guys, they go from Junior Cup, they go from to Twins Cup. Sometimes that jump from like Junior Cup to 600s isn't bad, or even putting some of these taller kids on thousands isn't a, isn't a bad deal. Um, so, I mean, you might see him, like you say, Greg, like he's, I think he's going to be a championship contender for next year, big time. You know, the thing I like about him is Agura doesn't crash a lot. No, he's not a big crash. He's a pretty steady guy. So, yep. um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. And Moto3, <clears throat> Moto3, Jesus. I, first off, <laughs> as far as MotoGP goes for a race weekend, uh, and, and I guess you could pull interest from each one of the three, but overall the races were kind of boring. I thought all three of them were kind of boring. Um, Garcia and Acosta went back and forth. They were 15 seconds ahead of everybody else. Um, Garcia wasn't really letting Acosta have his way. So every time Acosta went by him, Garcia passed him right back. And Acosta just looked like he kind of just followed him around. And then on the last lap, things started to shake up a little bit. But when you look at the results, Acosta wins over Garcia, over Fanati, Masia, Sasaki, and Binder. Binder was the first guy on slicks in this race. There were seven riders that started on slicks on a predominantly wet racetrack. So, Bender was moving forward. We didn't get to see the big draft fe- draft fest of 15 or 18 guys that this track would normally produce, did we? So uh, Yamanaka, uh, Cooney, Koffler, and Fernandez were your top 10. <clears throat> this race basically came down to the last lap. And through all of race directions, um, stuff that they've done over the year, I mean, even when the checkered flag fell, I'm like, all right, what are we going to do to screw this up? Like, what's... What did you see on the last lap, Greg, that would make you change the the complexity of what the result actually was? Did you see anything? Well, I mean, in terms of the raw garbage that we've been seeing lately, sure, this person went wide here, touched the green there, whatever, whatever. But ultimately, I think that race direction made the right call by not making a call. Well, I think that when you they, – they did make the right call by not making any calls. Number one – you know, I didn't see a definitive view of the exit of turn one. And like the commentators are like, oh, Costa may have ran over the green. And unless they had a different view of it than I did, I'm like. No, no, no. They did. They showed it after like kind of late. So. But but, um, but during the telecast, they're no, basically not during watching the telecast. what we're no, no, watching no. It was during late. the last lap. Right? There was contact. Yeah. So there was contact. <laughs> In turn between, one? Yes. Oh, okay. And that's what sent Acosta off the track. And so well, there was contact. No, that was in turn three, G Dub. Turn one. I'm talking turn one. Acosta went underneath him. Then Garcia went back up underneath him into turn three and punted punted Acosta off the track. And then he got obviously he was able to get back on and going. And then in turn nine, Acosta slid up underneath uh Garcia. Garcia got in there and lost the front. How lucky was he, by the way, that, that bike kept running? No, like super yeah. I was oh. like, where's I was like, where's the tip over switch? <clears throat> Yeah, you know? yeah, I was, I, I was, he was extremely lucky because the bike fell and was still running on the throttle side. Like normally, that bike would stall out, but the throttle must have been a little bit open or something stuck in the gravel, and he was able to get to the clutch, pull it in. All the gravel was falling out the back end because there's no way that bike restarts. Those things yeah. are impossible to start. Yeah, I, I thought the result was absolutely the way it needed to be. I didn't see anybody complaining about it, and I'm glad no. that race direction did nothing. 
No, and and un, unlike what the commentator said, I mean, initially they were on the replay. One of them said, "Oh, the contact. There was zero contact between Acosta and Garcia." Oh, in the last zero. corner, there was nothing. nothing. Or turn nine, there was nothing. Nothing. And the funny part about that, though, is that there was zero chance Acosta is making that corner. He went way out over the green, out of turn nine too. But if they impose a three second penalty, it didn't matter anyways. That's why they probably didn't do anything. No, it just didn't even matter. So Acosta right now, he's got a fifty three point lead over Garcia. Uh, and he's got a gigantic lead over Fanati. Fanati's third now, worked himself up into third in this championship, but he's uh, 87 points back. So, yeah, I mean, Moto Moto GP is back again this weekend in Austria. I think it's going to be uh, a fun one to watch. I'll be glued to it, even though you and I are going to be obviously on the road. Great. Working. Yep. We are going to be working. World Superbike in most in Czech Republic. Um First off, got to say, I don't know what you thought. We haven't talked about this at all. Didn't really care for the racetrack. I thought it looked like a fun track to probably ride with your buddies. Um, I hate, hate, hate turn one. Yeah, hate turn it. one looked. It just didn't look like there was a good rhythm it's to just this racetrack. Stupid. Anybody out there that's designing a racetrack that puts a turn that's basically a first gear corner, um, it's it's horrible. Like I can't, I, I don't understand. Yeah, it was like a 45. It was like, it's, you go from what, horrible. like they kept showing stats, like 160 something down to 45 miles an hour. It's like, why? Yeah. I <laughs> just don't even, I don't, I don't understand know. like why you would do that in a first turn. To me, it just opens up the possibility of you taking out a lot of people in the very first corner of a race. So it happens, but Let's get to some results. The first race by far for me was the most entertaining because Rescatiaglu and Redding were going at it up at the front. Very uncharacteristic mistake by Johnny Ray in that turn one area. You see him lose the front, crashes, gets the bike going, only to crash again five laps to go, which is pretty wild to think that that Ray ended up tipping off twice. And it just blows the championship wide open again because Rescatiaglu was very, very fast. He ends up going on and winning over Redding. Locatelli has found the pace. He's going to be a threat for the rest of the year. He ends up third. Rinaldi fourth. Bassini. Axel Bassini, that guy's impressed me a lot. Ends up a fifth. A lot. Gerloff, Batista, Haslam. Sykes, Fritz. Marvin Fritz riding the Yart Endurance uh, Team's bike. Ponce and Vinales. Lowe's, who also tipped off in turn one, ends up 13th. Nazani ends up 14th. There's just a list of non-finishers from Ray <laughs> Vandemark, Tito Rabat, Folger, Chaz Davis, uh, Jason Uribe, who is now over there riding um, for the Pedercini uh, team. He ended up uh, tipping off a bunch of people falling. But really, I think that we got to go to two things. Number one, Ray crashing twice. Can't say I would have seen that coming. And he was seven seconds behind. At the time I saw Greg, I think he was like six or seven seconds behind Fritz. So it wasn't like he was making up any ground. And in his own defense, he said, I really didn't feel like I did anything different going in there than I had any other lap. And the front was gone. But it looked like a pretty big crash. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we have post-race to you know to read comments and stuff. He says he can't feel the front when it's on the limit. That was yeah. a big quote from him that's posted on worldsbk.com. The other thing is, Jay, is watching that first race, I mean, that bike looked probably the worst I've seen it look all year. Like the he would, place, he would yeah. grab the, he would grab the brakes oh and yep. the thing just looked so unstable on the brakes. It didn't look like he had a really good feel for it. 
And I legitimately was, thought he had a problem. I, I did too. In the it first was, six, seven laps of the race, the bike was bucking him up out of the seat everywhere. I'm like, did he get a just, bad tire? Yeah, I was like, what's going on? And it was the first time that I'd actually kind of been uh, nervous watching Ray race because I was like, man, he's pushing hard and this thing is not working. It's just yeah. not. And yeah. we've seen it actually before with this new model bike that he's got, the RR, the latest version, where it hasn't been perfect. And he's kind of rolled out of it and finished second or wherever he's finished. This race, it just seemed like he just didn't want to let anyone get away from him. And I think that that's what bit him the first time. Obviously, yeah. he he went in there really, really, really fast. It's Wasn't always it? those slow corners that get people, man. It really mm-hmm. is. And then that's what surprised me about it being a fast corner. I, you know, the thing that Johnny does so well is controls. He kind of controls situations and puts band-aids on bad weekends. And like he, in this particular case, you know, if he ends up 11th, he at least would have got some points there. Um, and, and next thing you know, that, you know, he falls again. So let's get to the end of the race. Um, yeah, let's get, cause I have a question for you. Let me talk about I, the end well, of the race. Great, I had a question for you, but let's talk about it. All right. So, so Redding leads basically last corner, last lap yep. doors open by two bike lengths. Raz got top, top rack goes and stuffs them up the inside. Redding was millimeters from having his knee on the ground, turned in, blah, blah, blah. Raz got wins by 0. 0.040 seconds. Scott Redding complains about it post-race mm-hmm. jason justification from reading or winger what are you actually thinking that i'm thinking winger 100 like now i'm not going to go as far as calling him a winger i i really love scott redding and i think that there's a couple of things that really play into his outburst after that race um when you look at the actual race itself you got to remember it was only three or four corners before that the top rack took a lunge at him in a right hand corner like three or four corners prior to the second to last corner lunge that he did so you got to kind of be expecting that. The other thing you got to think about if you're Redding and you look back at that race is you have to close the door. If he goes into that right-hander that Top Rack eventually passed him at, if he goes in there three or four feet to the right, there's no way Top Rack's riding around the outside of him. It's just not going to happen. At that level, it's so hard to ride around the outside of a guy. So if he would have come through that fast left-hander preceding the, the right-hander that he got passed in and he closes the door, all he's got to do is get to the front straightaway. Because if he gets to the front straightaway, nothing was quicker than that Ducati down the front straightaway, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at things, when Scott Redding goes back and looks at this, which I'm sure he did that night afterwards, and I'm sure he saw all the complaining and our people, you know, kind of calling him out. I'm not going to say he's a winger. There's a lot of emotion that goes probably through a rider when that kind of stuff happens to you. And you got to remember, there's two things here. Number one, his good friend Brad Jones is in a coma in England from an incident uh, with BSB a couple of weeks ago. Yep. They're really, really good friends. Um, he had a helmet specially painted. There's nothing more than he wanted to do than to win with that helmet and dedicate the race win to to his friend. Okay, So I think that that plays into the emotion of this as well. And then we also see that when he did win the race, he proposed to his girlfriend um, to, to, you know, he proposed to her. So there was other factors, I think, that factor into him actually losing that race in the sense that I don't want to call him a winger. Did I think what Top Rack did? was legit thousand percent top rack did nothing wrong he was trying to win the race he was trying to maximize his point haul after knowing that ray was out um and i was really happy to see scott redding come back and win race three he had pace all weekend but it was a very difficult track to pass on but uh totally legit move i agree with everything you said there and i was actually going to bring that up the the two points that you brought up especially the marriage proposal thing as well yep 
You know, if you're thinking, wow, I'm going to win this race, I'm going to go get the ring. I'm going to propose to my girl. You get distracted a little bit. The door gets open just a little bit. It looked like towards the end of race one that the Ducati couldn't quite finish the corner like it could when it had fresh tires either. Yeah. And so, cause there were certain corners where Redding was coming out of there and just using every inch of the racetrack and getting the Ducati up on the meat of the tire and getting a drive and top rack was actually still driving equally with him on the edge of the tire. And I was like, Hmm. So it wasn't unexpected. He's not a whinger. I'm not going to no. go that far either, no. but it definitely was a race move. I don't, I don't really yeah. see anything wrong with it. I just, but if I you didn't... heard him say the next day on the podium, he's like, Hey, sorry about my outburst yesterday type of thing. I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen way worse. There was no contact made. I mean, no. top rack, I, for, as aggressive as, for as aggressive as top rack is, um, he doesn't really like make contact with people. No, he's not filthy. So, and when you not look, often. when you, when you look at the race, there was only one rider that could even do anything with top rack and turn one. And that was Redding because he had the power to get alongside of him going down the straightaway. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, I, you know, Redding, I, after the Super Bowl race, um, I was watching it with a friend and I said, I said, he's winning the next race. Redding's winning the next race, which he did. Yep. And I think that it's good for the sport that, that Scott Redding wins. I'm sure he's heard the murmurs. I mean, like, listen. Yeah. He's, he's even said that other teasers are talking to him already. He came out with it and said it. Yeah, but but there's no way. Uh, look, right now, honestly, your money's on the table. Do you want Scott Redding or do you want Danella Petrucci on the factory Ducati? What do you want? <laughs> Dude, I want Redding on there. No Seriously, doubt. I don't know it's why not people even, are. I, I, if, if Ducati goes ahead and was to get rid of Redding to put Petrucci on there, they get, they're going to get everything they deserve, in my opinion. Petrucci ain't going to come and beat Johnny Ray. I hate to break it to you, but he just isn't going to do it. There's nothing in Petrucci's DNA as far as a MotoGP rider in the last three or four years that make me think he's going to come and dominate world Superbike. zero chance of that. Like that's my opinion. Um, I will tell you something I noticed and I'm sure you did too. Um, when we watch these races, Gerloff looked pensive. Ooh, see, you know me, we ain't talked about this. Greg and I did nope. not even say a <laughs> word to each other, Nope. but our boy Garrett, all he wanted to do was not be talked about this weekend mm-hmm. at a track that I think otherwise was a really good track for Garrett. I think it was a track that he would have been aggressive and he would have been up front and he would have been, but every chance I saw him to think about sticking his nose in somewhere, he just went, Oh, hold on. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to make the passes when I know I can make them. I'm going to gain the trust of all of my competitors around me again, but I am not going to be that guy anymore. His turn one first lap going in there off the start was like, Oh boy. <laughs> Look like me in 2003 on the Look, factory. Don't compare Garrett to you. That's just I'm not sorry, Garrett. Mean. I'm sorry, Garrett. That was the thing wrong. Is, is that I actually, <laughs> and this is going to sound crazy. I thought it was one of Garrett's best weekends because he had to kind of scale things back after the drama that went down. There is not a single person in the paddock that was happier to see that points gap back to where it was before Assen when they left that track and check, then Garrett Gerloff. Garrett was like, whew, like, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> like, yeah. okay, top rack's back in the championship. Assen's, well, did, did, did you see oh, the cool down lap after race one? I did. I, you know what, Greg, he did ride up along top, side top rack and top rack was cool to him. I believe it was very cool to him. He, yes. he, he, I mean, not like I'm going to read too much into it, but yeah, it wasn't like a slap of the hand. Like they actually grabbed each other's hand and top and rack held other. onto it for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can kind of tell that, you know, I don't want to say all is forgiven in the camp, but 
Toprak doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to linger on this too much. Do you, anyway. do you want to know what our boy Steve English said to me? I would love to know. Oh. <clears throat> he says to me, prior to the weekend. Okay. You better quote him because he's got prior his own podcast. Weekend. You better prior quote him. He's got his own weekend. podcast. He'll lash out. Prior to the weekend, he says, Garrett needs three sixth-place finishes, and that's all. that'll be fine. Stop it. That's exactly he really? what he said to me. So he goes six in race one, six in race two, and I'm like, this English guy knows what he's talking about. A little bit. Yeah. When I say English guy, I mean, I know he's not English. It's just No, you Steve English, yeah. So so the thing is, is it's like, he goes six, six, eight. Bummer to see him finish eighth in the last race. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like now Garrett can get back to doing what Garrett does. Go off and right. This was a track that I thought was extremely difficult to pass on. It was probably a track that if you're going to be an aggressive rider, this was the place that you have to show that. But if you were Garrett this weekend, he got three results, had to kill him to see Locatelli up ahead of him when I know that he feels like he's got that kind of pace. But I feel like Garrett did a really nice job. You could definitely tell he was a bit pensive. Um, but anyways, enough said. Um, By the way, Super Pole race, Rascott Lioglu, Redding, Ray. So Ray gets yep. his 200th podium, Locatelli in fourth, Sykes, Gerloff, Lowe's, Bassani, this is ninth place is Bautista, yep. Rinaldi in 10th, Vandermark, Fritz, Haslam, Chaz Davis, Nazani. And then in race number two, things were a little bit different. Redding wins by three and a half seconds over top rack. Ray again in third. Locatelli again in fourth. Rinaldi a better start. Rumor is clutch issues, Jason. Like they released the clutch and it doesn't actually go. On Rinaldi's bike, yeah. On, yeah, on on both, on um, on Redding's bike as well. Got it. Okay. Um. And then you have Lowe's in sixth, decent recovery. Vandemark, a girl off in eighth. Sykes, Batista, Haslam, Davis, Rabat in 13th, Nazani. And then Christoph Ponson in 15th place. Your boy, Axel Bassani, I had to retire in that race. But yep. my boy. Uh, yeah, but Gerloff. That dude's um, good, by the way. Yeah, no, he's he is. We keep hearing his name. He's, he's very good. good. He's very good. On an independent, you know, V4R, he's doing a great job on the Ducati. So, um, so the championship, on the other hand, what do you you know? Now all of a sudden, people are yakety yakking about the championship and about how Redding's back in the mix after coming off of that race win. If you look at the standings, which I'm trying to pull up right now because I'm too stupid to find championship standings. You're not that stupid. You have <laughs> you have Johnny Ray with three points ahead of Razgatlioglu, and Redding is fifty points behind Ray. Is obviously nope. we know the first I'll, two. I'll take Ray. You can take the field. Are we betting? Are we gambling? No, I don't do that. I'm not. I'm not betting against Johnny Ray. I'm just no not way. doing it. I'll tell you why. You, you know, you're going to go to a couple of these rounds. Um, the next round, Navarra is a track that they tested at. I'm actually really interested to see it. I don't know if you've pulled it up yet, but if you go on theworldsuperbike.com and you click on Navarra round seven, they have an overview of the track and you can zoom in on it. It looks really interesting, Greg. It looks. I mean, it's got a. It's the turn one there is like fifth or sixth gear um that's where alex unfortunately tipped off in testing and it's kind of led to him like kind of getting the results he's getting right now he's got a, he's got a couple injuries that he's nursing and so it's make it made it real tough for him um then they go to then they go to france after that that's johnny ray stomping grounds i mean he's been incredible in 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 france um so yeah look we still got a lot of races to go um and I think that Rizgatiaglu is going to be tough. He's going to be tough. I do. But 
I, it's just, I don't bet against Redding. I mean, uh, against Ray, it's just too hard to do. I don't think that that's like the thing to do. So nope. I think that you're still going to see him winning races and he had an off weekend again. He'll bounce back from it. You watch any world super sport? I did. I, I watched did the too. first, I watched the first race, yeah. but, it, but I'm, and I'm trying to think back to it. It was, it was, it was it uh, wet. Was it wet in world no, super sport? No, it was, it was, it was dry. It was dry in both races. Um, oh, right. Race one, the red flag happened. Yeah, ended and the race a little bit early. Yeah. Odell ends up winning over Gonzalez and, and, um, Philip Odell. And, and the second race, Dominic Agurta wins like mm-hmm. pretty, I, I like what, Don, what he does. Like if you watch him this year and, and Steve made comment about it earlier, uh, and you know, he's made a couple comments about it, about how he almost slows the field up at the beginning. Guys are like parked up behind him and, at the end of the race, he just kind of takes off. Like he, he conserves mm. his tires while he's leading the race, but he's hard to pass. And and if you watched him, which I really love this, if you watched him, he was going into turn one every lap about mid track. There was no way anybody was going to go underneath him. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's just killer racecraft. I thought what Dominic Agurta did racecraft wise was was really really good. And how cool is it to see the bees back? That oh, was awesome. And I think I think I think Valentin will do. I think he'll do pretty well. I think he'll, I think he'll do okay. You know, I, I know the team owner for that team, um, Christoph Gio is one of the, like the best individuals you ever meet in your life. Uh, so, and you could tell there was a little battle there because Kira Casulo has left GMT 94. So they brought mm-hmm. the bees in for that. And those two guys end up getting locked into the end at the end of the race there. Um, yeah. It, I think that that championship in and of itself is another good one. Dominic Gertz has got a pretty good lead now, 37 points over Odendahl. Uh, Philip Odell is a third, but a long way back. Manuel Gonzalez, who won um, the the World ju- uh, Junior, I they don't call it Junior Cup over there, uh, World Super Sport 300 Championship, he's fourth in the championship now. Um, did you see Clizel get cleaned out again? Yes, I did Dude, see that actually. That poor guy, I don't even it's know what to say. I, I, I honestly don't even know, know what to say. say. <laughs> He's got cleaned out, Greg. Now, I'm not kidding. He has got cleaned out three times in the last 12 months. Like turn one last year, he got absolutely cleaned out by DeRosa. Then he gets cleaned out by Thule this year at Aragon. So twice at Aragon, that guy has been cleaned out, no fault of his own. And in this race, I don't even know who it was. Just absolutely laid him out and he's stuck under the guy's bite going into the gravel. I don't know how Clouseau doesn't just get up and start swinging at this point. <laughs> Seriously. Like honestly, or, or at least go, all right, I think I'm done with this racing thing. Like, like, is there a guy that's more snake bit than Jules Clouseau? Is I have never, you and I have been around racing a lot of years. I can't think of one guy that I can say, Oh, that guy gets taken out all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I just never see it. And this poor guy gets it all of the time. It's so bad. Now, I haven't got to watch. I mean, I hate to say it, but I haven't really watched any of the World Super Sport 300 this year. I just, I run out of time. I mean, I'm the same way. It just seems like there's been a lot of GP weekends on top of World Superbike weekends. And then there's other things that have to be done. And I just feel bad that we haven't really, you know, but um, Adrian Huertas is leading that. I've seen a couple things. Uh, Tom Booth Amos, who we saw in Moto3, he's in second in the championship. Uh, Jeffrey Booth is, is third. Um, Anna Carrasco's ninth, you know, I know she won earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. So that championship still is up in the air. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to get on it, people and try to watch a little bit about what's going on, but no, he's not going to, he's got golf. He's got golf and we have an accelerated end of the season coming up here in Moto America. Do you believe it's August? 
No, I can't. Hey, man. And dude, it's it, by the time we leave uh, pit race, it's going to be mid August. It's so. insane. Mid August, and then we go September. I might be going to Europe in September, which I'm excited about. Like Ooh. right after Barber, possibly. Um, we, yeah. Well, we we might be going to GP in November. I'll let you know what's going on there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I, d- yeah, we'll see. You, Jason Pridmore has passport. We'll travel. Yeah, for the coming up stuff, dude. We got pit race this weekend. Then you have golf next week. I have USA Archery Target Nationals weekend after that. I'm supposed to be, or I'm going to be in Fort Benning, uh, Georgia, for an ASA. Then we have a week off. I have a week off, and then we go Jersey and Barber back to back. And then I'm trying to World Archery is coming to Yankton, South Dakota, to to run one of their big events. And I'm trying to get up to Yankton for the end of September to commentate that. But I don't know. I won't know for another couple of days. People at World Archery are like, stop calling us. We just got done with the Olympics. We're really, oh we need God, a breather. Man. And I'm like, I actually no, I watched am. some of that. This, this, Hey, did you watch any, did you watch any of the Olympics? Oh yeah. I watched, I watched quite a my, bit. Yeah. I watched, I watched, I still have a bunch of it. TiVo. Did you watch the climbing? No, it was unreal. Watch. Like I, I, it might be my new favorite thing. Like it made me want to go to a climbing gym. And I know I've gone before with Richie Alexander a bunch back in the day, mm-hmm. but it was like really interesting to watch. Hey, watch this, Greg. You want to see something? Yeah. Watch this. Let's look ahead to this weekend on our race calendar and what oh. we'll be talking about. Oh, you want me to do this? Go for so, it. Uh, we're in Wampum, Pennsylvania for the seventh year uh, going up to Pittsburgh. You and I, I'm, I'm pumped to be out getting up there. Can you believe it's been seven years? Is it really no. our seventh? year going up there no it's not it's not why'd you put that uh it's our seventh year of moto america i was gonna just remind myself but don't yeah it's, so i'm reading your notes <laughs> if you were gonna read it i would have written it better well yeah, yeah i mean you want me to do it no all right moto, G- moto gp as we have talked is added again this weekend at the red bull ring in austria bsb is going to be at donnington park um, we get to see AMA motocross. They pick back up again this weekend in New Berlin, New York. Did you go there? That's not, yeah. that's not, that's not Unadilla, right? Yeah. Unadilla. Yeah. Oh, well, they are. Oh, mm-hmm. great. We will be there. Super hooligans is in Castle Rock, Washington. Best in the desert is uh Vegas Torino super race this weekend. Wow. They're still doing the Vegas Torino. Yes. Yes. Can you that imagine doing a, that? Uh, it's I, I've, that's just got it. That's a great race to watch when you can. Topeka, Kansas has NHRA this week. When you say it's got top fuel Harley series, does that mean that it's not NHRA or is our NHRA actually running in Topeka this weekend? No, there's actually it's the, it's the NHRA top fuel Harley series that's running got in it. Topeka. Yep. See, I'm asking these questions as we go through the calendar. So this is good so everybody <laughs> knows. AMA East Hair Scrambles is in Harpersville, New York. Tennessee Knockout in Sequatchie, Tennessee. Tennessee. Wow. That's right. That's trials. Yeah. And World Speedways in Sweden. It's great because I follow Greg Hancock, so he must be he either he must be involved with like a team over there or Greg Hancock being because um, he retired World Speedway he? champion. He retired, but he still follows the series and he's over he's over in Poland and he's over and all you know. So he's fun. He's a fun guy to follow on uh, on Instagram. He he's done some stuff with Owen Williams. Owen Williams riding in our Junior oh. Cup is also a Speedway racer. So Greg Hancock has actually worked with Owen a little bit um, as a mentor in Speedway. And so as soon as I knew that, you know, because love that kid, um, I started following Greg Hancock, who I should have been following anyways. He's a great guy, Speedway world champion. Is he? Is he a good yeah, dude? Yeah, I've run into him a couple times over my career as a yeah. broadcaster, and every every interaction with him has been awesome. He's a really, really good dude. Yeah. No, it seems like he is. Guess whose birthday it is today? I know you know. Your mother. My mom. My mom 
It's her birthday today. Mom. So, yeah, took her out yesterday to a nice lunch. Went to go buy her an outfit. She couldn't find anything, couldn't do anything. So, taking her, I said, Mom, where do you want to go for dinner tonight? Where do you want to go? I'm taking you to dinner. Where do you want to go? Please she tell wants- me she said Carl's Jr. No, no, no. She's not. She's not, no. she's not on the G Dub. She actually, my mom's 82. She actually eats healthier than you, which <laughs> is not hard. Uh, she, <laughs> she wants me to take her to um, a pub that my friend owns. So mm. she, she wants bangers and mash. Very Perfect. English. Yep. Very English. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything more English? I don't know. No, that's pretty much that's pretty much English as it gets, G-Dub. All right. Well, that's so, it. So I'm going to get the last word since you read the calendar. And the last word is, happy birthday, mom. <laughs>